Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports Michael Gannon and Graham Young. Guys, how are you? Afternoon, guys. Uh, yeah, I um, managed to keep my head on my shoulders um, after being at Parkhead last night. I know that Robbie Nielsen was decapitation and all that stuff, but my head doesn't roll down the pavement just yet. <laughs> Graham, you, you doing well? Yeah, doing well. Um, I... So... It was, I thought Mick was going to make a joke. I thought that was a, some weather joke about something about frozen still, but uh, I monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> so all good here, Daniel. Well, I mean that's you probably um, kick us off in the right area, Mick. Celtic three-one winners over Hearts, but Robbie Nielsen kind of stole the show after the game with his comments. I mean, what did you make of them? Quite surprising. I mean, I don't think we quite expected that kind of. Um... Um, I wouldn't say outburst or rant, but it was it was getting his point across. Uh, listen, it's a bit of kidology from Robbie. I mean, he, is it a, a red card offence? I don't think so. I don't think many folk would think it's a red card offence, really. And he sees it back. Um, obviously, there was a VAR check at the time, and it's one of those VAR checks when announced there's a VAR check, and everyone thinks, well, what, what was it for? Mm-hmm. And you see it again, you think, all right, he's late. Probably a yellow card. Yep, definitely. Is it is it was it the IFAB call? Is it brutality or excessive force? I don't think so. Um, slightly clumsy, maybe, but I don't think it was a red card. So I think Robbie, listen, he's quite good. Robbie doing that kind of thing. He deflects a bit of attention from me from his team a wee bit. Um, I thought Hearts played really well on the night. Um, I think they gave Celtic as big a challenge as anyone's given them in recent weeks. Um, I still think Celtic were were, were more than um, worthy of their win. But I think Robbie, maybe a wee bit of cardiology, maybe maybe cranks up a wee bit of pressure on officials for the game again, again on Saturday. Um, I think he's having a bit of fun with it, Robbie. I think I don't think it's um, that that bad a challenge really to to merit a big a big um, inquest. I thought I didn't think it was a red card either, but maybe an, maybe an orange card, Graham. Do you know what I mean just a wee bit worse than a yellow, but not quite a red? Um, I think a strong yellow, and I'm making the punch the point at the end that. The kidology element. I think the fact that in Nielsen's second interview, so when he spoke to the guys last night, um, he spoke to Sky after it, and he kind of intimated that the biggest issue was it was a yellow card, but why is Alan Muir not spotting that rather than it going to VAR and so forth? So I think even um, deep down, Robbie Nielsen knew it was a yellow card. And I think one of those ones, isn't it? Like if you look at the still, if you look at the grab of it, it looks bad, really bad, but... In real time, he's on the ground and he's almost like kind of flicked a leg at it. It's, it's a sore one, definitely. Um, but I and I, I think that ties in right. Of course, any advantage or any kind of pre-match, well, you say buster, isn't it? Like, so it's because it's such a quick turnaround Wednesday night to Saturday morning. Um, it'll still be in the news agenda until I think Anne speaks as well, and then you're you're into the game. So um, I think it's straight out the old playbook of. Um, 
I could already get a little bit of uh, mind games before another one. And um, but I think as well the one that Mick um, was saying there as well. I thought Hearts were pretty good last night, really solid. And I'm not saying it won each at half time. You could call it still a favoured Celtic, but um, there was a lot to like. I thought the passing was pretty good for Hearts, and I think that's a big thing. Like the games in Europe when they kind of came up short, the passing kind of deserts them. Uh, so if they play with that intent, obviously Celtic will be in a game again on Saturday. But I think. Um, uh, Bernabeu probably not going to start the game with Taylor, uh, likely to come back. Uh, but I don't think he'd be missing any games with suspension. I think it would be the perfect thing to call for a yellow card in that situation. Um, Mick, just on Bernabeu that Graham raises, what do you make him as a player? Like, you obviously watched him in the flesh last night. I can't really, I, I, there's lots of good things about him, but just seems like a bit raw at times. Yeah, I mean, he's still not young. I think he's only still on 21. Um, right. So he's a young player, but as, as I can move a prospect or anything else. Um, he hadn't played for a, maybe a month and a half, two months until he came in last night. So he was clearly rusty. But I thought him and Tony Ralston, who both hadn't played much in the last couple of months, I thought they were both a wee bit rusty. And mm-hmm. you could tell. And the way Celtic play, there's so much traffic comes through. The fullbacks, these inverted fullbacks, it's it, it shown up more because they're a wee bit um, not quite up to speed. So they weren't quite at it. I thought they get. I thought the two of them get better as the game went on. Um, I think Bernabe has, has showed some some promise at times. Um, I think you're right. He's he's been a bit raw at times as well. Um, but he is, he is young. Um, he's not been helped the fact that Greg Taylor has been so good this season. I mean, Taylor's been one of the players of the year uh, for Celtic. I mean, he's one of the first names in the team sheets um, each week, and I think he just got. I think a wee knock at the weekend. I thought there's no point in risking him. He's such a key player for Celtic now. Um, so it's maybe a bit unfortunate the fact that Taylor's played so well um, but he's still a work in progress I think he's got some attributes, he's good going forward a wee bit rash at times um, decision making can get tightened up but it, it might come, he's, not, he's only 21 so it might come And Graham, obviously we have the, the story in record sport today about how uh, Dyson Maida might be struggling with an injury, he's obviously been a, a key player for Celtics, particularly since the World Cup, but if he has to miss a couple of games uh, I thought Haksabanovic really stood out when he came on last night. Obviously, a brilliant goal. And Jake, maybe it's time you get a, a wee run in the team. Um, potentially, I think he had that little spell um, just before the World Cup. He is a really talented player. Um, I think that would make sense. But I thought my either just a, a quick word from those twenty nine minutes he was on the pitch. Um, so obviously he's got the the full routine where the the work ethic non stop. But last night he was like. Prime Ryan Giggs for Man United in the ninety, like just slalming past players, really, really dangerous. Like that's what it reminded me. Like, like you know those European nights, Man United battles. Some people won because they probably weren't born, but <laughs> by the day, um, I was just on it last night, and it's he, he's got that great mix, Maida, where it's like the games he's very much it's his work ethic and desire and pushing the pace that really made the difference. And I think Cup Final would be a good example of that, uh, where his touch probably at times deserted him. Then last night he can be really on it if he fancies it against a fullback. He can come inside, outside. The one he fizzed past uh, that he get ruled out offside for. And I know he, I think it's an argument. I think he'll go might have been slightly off, but I know he was flagged for offside. But I think I really like the fact that he had the pot because sometimes it's he, he kind of second guesses himself with shots and then perfect position for the goal, which ultimately led an injury. And Hacks advantage is a different type, uh, as we know, but his close control is something really. Uh, really special and I think this Celtic squad's made up of guys with multiple traits but in the final third is whatever Jota brings Maeda Kyogo 
Haxabanovic is of that ilk and he's really kind of classy players that you know, if you watch him for another team you'd be like, he's really kind of top class and um I think he's been kind of it's been he's not always been the first sub on the pitch. It's always that twenty minutes here, fifteen minutes there. Uh, but I think he's right in contention for the weekend. Funnily enough, Abada, who was so strong against St Mern, probably did have his best game. Um, so it's very up near, probably, for how he, if Maeda doesn't make it, how he go. Jota's probably better on the left, but would you bring Haxabanovic on that side? So there's there's a few questions, Lemon. But I think Celtic fans have got a soft spot for Haxabanovic and the, uh, the type of goals he scores when he puts it in the net. They're normally a bit special, like a kind of first touch finish of that one last night in the top in. So. Um, not sure about the what would we give the salsa dancing? Would it be a, <laughs> a seven from Len or whatever? But it's, he's he's a he's a really talented player, and you can tell you can see why fans adore him, enjoy watching him. I, I know we've talked about it um, a lot, particularly in the pod, but I need to I need to bring up Kyogo again. I, I know all of the adjectives have been um, trotted out in regards to how well he's played this season, but last night, Mick, he reached the twenty-five goal milestone. Um, which is obviously for any striker is, is a really brilliant return. Do you think he's up there though with the likes of Odson Edward, Moussa Dembele? Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths, oh, really, good point. Um, yeah, I think he is. I mean, but he got, what, I think he got 20 last season, uh, not far off as well, despite the injuries and all that stuff. He missed a bit this year as well. Um, he's um, He's been a fantastic signing, hasn't he? Right. Um, it was funny last night listening to Ange Postacoglu kind of having a go at his team for not really spotting his runs. I think they, can, they think they think the service could be better to him. Um you think well many goals are going to get if he's better service. Um he's he's, he's, he's getting I mean, his run his last night his goal last night was exceptional. It was a really good move actually. I mean Jota wins the ball back um really well, pings a ball in field to, to Moy. And Moy I mean did spot the run and it was the run he made was, was one of those um in to out runs. It was great. And defenders did not know where he was at any one point in point in time. Come across his man and he finished it really well. And that sums him up. His movement's terrific, burst of pace. And he's got so many goals that are so similar with that attack in the near post. But he goes in these kind of mazy runs and attacks in the near post. Um, yeah, he's he's been he's been absolutely terrific for Celtic. Obviously, the cup final hero of twice now, obviously last year's cup final, uh, league cup final, and this year's mm-hmm. one. He was a hero. Um, he's been a tremendous signing. He's an infectious character as well, in terms of um, his personality. Fans love him, his teammates seem to love him. He's pretty selfless. Um, he seems to be quite a, a, a polite wee guy as well. He'll, he'll, he'll apologise when you kick somebody and all that stuff. And um, but no, I think he's 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 really is. I mean, he's, he's earned his kind of hero status, hasn't he? I mean, Celtic. Listen, Celtic strikers are always going to be scoring goals it's purely because of the, the domination in most of the games and the chances they get. But there's been plenty that haven't done that on that scale and, and struggled a wee bit. Um, but you look at it now, you think I think I think. I think you've got to put Kyogo up there in the same bracket as a kind of Dembele's and, and Edwards and all that stuff. I mean, I know they went for, for big money. Um, and you wonder you wonder if, if, if Kyogo could be the next one. Um, difficult difficult to, to kind of say because he, he, he does so well in this, this this team. But not not many teams play that similar kind of way. So how would they, would they really fit into a different kind of setup? Who knows? Um Still surprised. I still can't believe we didn't, didn't go to World Cup. I mean, Aye, I just, that's mad. That's blows, I mean, I know I know Japan did really well, got a really good team, but this kind of blows my brains really how he didn't get picked. Uh, and and Tatati for that as well. Um, just shows you how good they are just now. But no, he's been he's been terrific. Um, he's loved by the fans. Seem to love him as well. Um, 
And I think talking twenty five goals, I was expecting to kick on and go over thirty. Well, yeah, I mean, just on that, just looking at the other strikers, Odson Edward in nineteen twenty got uh, twenty nine goals. Moussa Dembele back in sixteen seventeen got thirty two. And you mentioned Griffiths there. I mean, I forgot. I think that I in twenty fifteen sixteen he got bang on forty goals, yeah. fifty three games. I, I forgot it was that much. Yeah, that was that was peak. That was peak Griff back then. Yeah, uh, I know he had good spells after that as well. But um, when he was when he was on it that season, he was he was terrific. Um, that again, I'm, different kind of striker as well to Kyogo. Aye, I know it's not all about goals, but Graham, would you put him up there with the best strikers Celtic have had, arguably? Since Martin O'Neill's era, you know, Chris Sutton and Larson Hartson? Um, potentially, I think Gary Hooper was Madrid as well in that run a couple of years. But if you're going in the modern kind of Brendan Rodgers and, and to present, then I think there's a case for all of them. Dembele was so physically imposing, played so well in the biggest game, so it's a really strong argument. Edward, for that kind of 18 months after he's signed permanent, he was just unbelievable. And uh, even I think the final season at Celtic's been reflected by his time at Crystal Palace. Something's changed there. I don't know post COVID or whatever. It's just not the same player he wanted. There was something magical about the way he could take the ball on the left wing and cut in. I think a lot of that's gone for whatever reason. But Hugo's so consistent and you can it's just a massive asset. That Dundee game when he burst onto the scene, you need to remember where Celtic were. A whole a whole bunch of new players, Ange Postacoglu try to prove himself. And then this striker who's incredible, jumping up with chances. I know that just shows you how quickly life changed. Ryan Christie was uh, the man that day with three assists or whatever. So it shows you how a team changes. But from then on, he's just shown his worth. And I think, like all good players, he almost get underrated, as we know, and gained a little bit of, I think, shiny new toy syndrome. We're looking for, well, play this player and play so forth. But he's just excellent in that constant movement. And the kind of stress he puts on the de- uh, defenders constantly, just, uh, it's hard to replicate and um, it's just uh, he's a top, top player. Uh, thought he was assist last night as well, that's the thing as well. Like, so often he doesn't drift out as much as he probably even did in his first season, but as soon as he makes that kind of bending run, he's round the corner, perfect pass for Maeda. Um, I just think it shows his quality. Um, he's he's top class and I think that he's the most interesting player Celtic have got and we know with Giacomacchus, Juranovic going Celtic, that is the model. Players will come, players will go. But at 28, it's maybe interesting with Kyogo. I'm not one for thinking too romantically about football in the sense that, oh, he'll be there forever. But he's maybe just the one who quite enjoys playing for Celtic and could be there longer than you might imagine. Mm. Um, but he was he, he's just that level of quality in the final third. And often it's that subtle movement, moving from one centre-half to the other. Um, it's top class and that's a world class trait that he has and he's got a lot else about his game but he's got a, a real ability to do something that defenders don't like that suits the Celtic team perfectly they're not built around one player but his greatest talent is what makes a Celtic team tick and we should say as well uh, Mick that it wasn't uh, the only milestone that was met last night because it was the 100th competitive game for Ange Postacoglu as Celtic boss um, and obviously the Celtic fans unveiled a banner going by Christmas, here's to 100 more. When you do think back to the, the kind of the first days where he took over and the squad was a bit of a shambles, it's it's a pretty impressive record that he's got. Oh, it's, just, it's beyond impressive. Um, I must admit, I wee chuckle at this going by Christmas thing, right? Because 
who actually said that he was going to be gone by Christmas? No, 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 and football insider. Well, I mean, uh, exactly. I, I mean, it's almost like you know, a lot of fans go, "Oh, the, the mainstream media said he'd be gone by Christmas." Who, who said this? I, I, I don't remember seeing this. Um, it was actually a section of Celtic fans who thought it'd be gone by Christmas. Um, it wasn't certainly wasn't the mainstream media because a, a, a lot of it, uh, us guys in the, the much maligned um, press corps could see what he's trying to do, but, but obviously it was, it was a struggle early on in the first kind of um, couple of months. But he was happy to be with the whole squad. I mean, he's, he, he's signed. I mean, dozens of players. His hit rate is exceptional. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's won seventy four games out of hundred. Seventy four wins, ten draws, sixteen losses, two hundred and fifty three goals. So I mean that's up there. That those stats are up there with Martin Neal. I think Martin Neal would slightly edge it. I think, um, but certainly Brendan Rodgers up there as well. I think Brendan Rodgers might be in his first hundred games might be slightly less purely because I think European the Champions League and all that stuff might not maybe change that slightly. I don't know, um, but he's up there with with those kind of numbers. I mean that's that is a Neal and Rodgers numbers, um, which is exceptional. There is some mitigating factors, I think. Um, you, you look at the league, the strength of the league in the last couple of years, I don't know if it's as strong as it has been. I think Martin O'Neill's era, you look back to that time, I think the league was maybe slightly stronger. Um, but then again, you look at that era, Martin O'Neill's team is probably one of the top six teams in Britain at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of budget as well, it's probably one of the top ten teams in Britain, unlike now, we are certainly lucky to be one of the top ten teams in the Championship. So it's all relative. Um, but you can't help but be impressed by his first hundred games in charge. I mean he's been it's been absolutely exceptional. Um and the, the good thing for City for fans is that it, it doesn't look like the finished project. I mean this last kind of eight, ten, twelve weeks it has looked pretty polished, but you still think there's 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 room for development there as well. And there's another maybe another gear to find at times. Mm-hmm. Um which is quite exciting for, for punters. But you know you can't you can't, you can't fault them. I mean the only thing you would say is is next year he's got to have a, a decent crack at Europe. No, that, but there's still there's still too many live issues on just now to even think about Europe. I mean, there's a, a league to be to be won and also the Scottish Cup, um, but so far it's um, it's been pretty much um, faultless. I, look, I know that this is an impossible question to answer, but I'm going to give it to you, Graham, anyway, because I know that's that's how highly I think of you. You can answer this, Graham. Is he already a modern Celtic legend? Yeah, like see that stuff. Yes, of course he is, because for the last two years. He's been all that Celtic fans want. Like, oh, fundamentally, that to me, this is my view in football. That Eric Ten Hag Ajax team that reached the semi-finals somehow lost to Tottenham. Now they are obviously on a bigger budget than Celtic and other probably teams like Porto, etc. As well, Porto on a different budget for Celtic. There's relative as Mick pointed out in budgets, but that fundamental desire for a team to really have a go at others is all football fans want. Now look at Tottenham right now with Conte, right? We know he's tried to record winning trophies, right? But fundamentally, the football's garbage or hard to watch. These trophies only take you so far. So with Postacoglu, we've been able to do both. Entertain fans, plus bring trophies is exceptional. Um, he does it in a style. And it's so interesting about Europe. It's so true, right? But all it takes, you just think right now, you know they're almost, almost certainly going to be Champions League, right? Um, and you just know if it's a stinker of a group, it's a real challenge again. They almost need a kind of Champions Europa group, don't they? Like mm-hmm. they want Celtic against teams like Porto, Final, PSV Eindhoven, whoever you go through that level, Aroma, um, 
Lazio, those type of teams, that's Celtic. You would love to see because the practice what they try to put into practice against Real Madrid, um, that high press and all, eventually you've got to get picked off in those games. And listen, you can't choose your groups or who you play, but you would hope just doesn't enough it worked for Brendan Rodgers the Anderlecht season as we know the, the second season in the Champions League group stage and able to win in Belgium and that was enough to get into the Europa League but Rodgers couldn't do anything beyond the last 32 like the games against Zenit second leg was a disaster Valencia was just I think really disappointing if I remember correctly that was just about a few weeks before he left so there's that kind of balance right now for Postacoglu you can tell he's building something in a different way there's no there's of course there's loyalty to his players but there's he's looking at it in a different in the way the teams that Celtic would like to compete against I think we've touched on before like a Salzburg or teams that are very proactive in terms of recruitment transfers thinking ahead other teams you think oh they've lost three of their best players but suddenly I think someone like Awata would come under that and I don't know about you but to me, there's, I would be amazed if he's not a regular starter within the next few. And I know Moy and Riley have been important players, but he and I think he just looks top class. Like, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. For all accounts that Lennox Town he is, turning heads, that's the thing. That's why he's getting his 20 minutes here and there. I think everyone's, I think he's got a bit of everything in the water where he can um, close down quickly, win attack on. I think he is a number six. So I think that's what's going to make it so interesting. Like Cal McGregor probably... He's got his split roles. He'll probably play some games as the deepest player, some one-up, maybe in that boy role. Mm-hmm. Celtic are unbelievably deep midfield. You don't get a guy like David Turnbull. But to return you back to your original of course he's a legend. He's, if it all, if he left at the end of the season, I think his two years would be fondly, fondly remembered. And Obviously, if you go in for three years, four years, etc., then that would only add to that. But he's a massive part. I think the way he was able to readdress the balance so quickly after the season of nightmares for Celtic as well. I think that enough that alone's enough to kinda of warrant kinda of legendary status um, moving forward. And I know Mick is again another impossible question, but why not? Um it would be great to see another hundred games under Ange, but the way that football is inevitably in the summer he's going to have offers, isn't he? And it's just I mean do you think do you think he'll stay? I mean, I realise there's no way you can answer that, but... Well, is he? This is not, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder a wee bit. I mean, we have to... We're obviously in the bubble in Scotland and all that stuff. I mean, we don't know how English football... That's, that's what we're talking about here, English football, probably. Uh, how it views us. I mean, there's now been three or four jobs that have came and gone in England that that hasn't really gone... Hasn't really been a, a strong approach for them. Maybe tentative feelers put out and all that stuff. So what what job is going to, what job is going to come up that's going to entice them? Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting to me because listen, he knows he's in a good good job. You can tell he, he enjoys the challenge. Um, he's completely. I mean, last night, I mean, the, the fans last night were, were saying Adam at the end of the big banners and all that stuff. Um, so it, it, listen, somebody will ask the question at some point, but it depends on where that question comes from. I mean, we've talked this season about Southampton, bottom of the league in England. Maybe that, that was a cup. at one point that came up. Leeds relegation zone that came up. Everton relegation zone. There was there was other mentions earlier on. I think was it maybe Palace mentioned at some point. I don't know. Um, so you're looking at the bot. I mean, teams struggling at the bottom of the Premier League. The uh, uh, the Post-Cogley style isn't going to be a, a, a firefighting kind of um, Sean Dyche 
bat on the stay a, a, a drop. That, that's, I mean, they, they might like to have that kind of manager, but it's not a time to bring it in when you're fighting fires at the bottom of the league. No. Um, then you think, well, top end, a top end team in the in the championship, a team in the championship. There might be a call from that that kind of area, but would they want that? I don't know. I mean, it obviously takes a lot of pride in a, a Champions League manager now from Australia as well. So it'd be interesting. I I don't I don't think certainly fans would be too worried about him jumping ship that soon, which is probably famous last words because some some challenge might come up that he fancies. No, um, I just sense a kind of change in tone in his language in recent weeks, and obviously he was. It was a wee bit cute when he came to talk about Leeds and all that stuff, and he, 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 um, it was a wee bit, not to say evasive, but he was he keeping his cars close to his chest and he was playing it cute. But then, and obviously, after the cup final, he's very emphatic on what he wants to be here and he's not thinking about leaving and all that stuff. And I'm thinking is that I mean, that's obviously because of he's so comfortable with surroundings and he's enjoying it and he's winning trophies. Um, he's got the adulation of the crowds. But it also might be that the fact that maybe three or four jobs that have come round that he probably should have been getting phone calls for, he wasn't getting phone calls for. And you think, well, why is that? That's a bit strange. But listen, he's in a good position, so he's not particularly fussed about it. Um, so it, it'll be a, it'll be interesting. I mean, as a as a, a Tottenham or a, a Chelsea or these kind of teams going to come and come in and look at him, I don't know. When you look at the managers they kind of tend to go for. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem to fit that kind of bill because they're, they're wanting somebody who's got a, a Champions League winner medal. Winner's medals in the locker, really. No. Um, so I, I don't know um, if that's what they're, I think. I think I don't. I would expect those kind of calls to come, even though that they probably we think they maybe should. And uh, that's because we see it on a weekly basis. Um, so it leaves me kind of weird. Kind of, listen, we've seen it before. Celtic. I mean, Neil Lennon did a tremendous job at Celtic. Said that he don't need a break. And the phone never rang. He ended up in Bolton, which is a complete basket case of a club at the time. Um, so that was a strange one. Brendan Rodgers gets a job in the Premier League in England at Leicester. Not one of the... I mean, obviously, they won the league, obviously, that, that, that kind of that season they had. That amazing season. But it, the phone calls weren't coming from the, the right top end of, of, of that division either. And he got that job pretty much in the back of what he'd done in England before. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's kind of caught in a wee bit of a, a, a limbo um, at, at the moment. And we don't really know, because English football, again... Like as I say, unless he has a really good European campaign next season, that would really force teams to take notice. But that's down the lines. I mean, that's a that's a good bit down the line. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he done another hundred games at Celtic. Um, I know everyone seems to think he's a matter of time before he goes. I I'm, I don't quite subscribe to that at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been a shift um, in, in in my view and in maybe maybe his own as well. It could it could be as you say, make famous last words. But I, I definitely fall in a camp where. I, Graham, I don't, I don't, I don't see him leaving Celtic for a, a Crystal Palace or a Bournemouth or a, a, even a Leeds down at the bottom of the Premier League. I could be completely wrong, but I just don't see him leaving to to go and do that. Um, I think as a bat, maybe probably can't pigeonhole every club near the bottom. They're not all judged. Certain clubs might have certain appeals that maybe as well. You need to remember. I think this is important as well. The fact that. His journey as well. If you're talking about patience, like he's in his late fifties, and he's got to this point, and I know there's been success along the way managing a street. That's it as well. Like when you look back, some of the, the kind of we're talking about others that maybe like are kind of playing them down. Managing your team at a World Cup, Asia mm-hmm. Cup, winning a title in Japan, like it's not to be sniffed at. When you look at, it, and then you see what he's able to do when he comes to Scotland. Um, I think there's definitely a balance between him. Um, I he want. It was I think. If the argument, if or when he does leave Celtic, 
probably looking at kind of final job potentially you know that big job maybe to turn back home at some point so that would be in his mindset but i think is the line as well mixed right i think he's always been quite guarded and rightfully so why get in and cornered in but the line about i think he might be surprised how long i'm here i think that's music to celtic fans ears and i think europe's a big thing if the title race is really competitive next year and Rangers have gone up a level or maybe even Celtic have a, a tricky start say that adds an extra intrigue to the title but it's purely Europe like in the sense that's what he what it's not even about um this idea about, about judging Celtic obviously Celtic have been wanting to make progress in Europe but I think for Ange just what he tastes himself his second team his third team the sense that an, an evolved Celtic team under his watch I think that's his greatest strength because the one thing I really does need to know Brendan Rodgers first season Vincible treble that team was up there with any Celtic team you'll ever see but they never get better they, they never improved actually much of that second season the home week games were a cure for insomnia it was really really bad and I think because Rodgers had built up such credit you kind of forgive that but there were some absolute stinkers. They actually, the third season, hit and miss again up until he left. Domestically, more than it, I think it's got to be said. Like the first season was perfect football. Like you can't get any better. I think Ange is a rare. He's improved. They were good last year. They're better this year. You wouldn't rule him out doing that again. I think that honestly is based on the way he conducts his transfer business. There's a just a light touch and able to move players in, get the right players in. Um, and I think that's where it really is yielding results for Celtic. Um, and I think on the basis of that, I think there can be real success next year in Europe. And I think that's what everything's about. You can't just go down to six Champions League games, but there's got to be a moment. You, you know these teams like Bruges this season, winning the group, obviously the manager led. There's got to be that moment. I think Celtic under Postacoglu are a team capable of something, whether it be out marquee victory away at a team they probably shouldn't be or a, 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 a really solid points total in the Champions League without me but again we know that's so difficult it's Bruges with the one off as a four seed but Celtic under this guy's leadership are capable of something and uh, I think that's what will drive him as much as any offers fails where but as Mick says you never know the offer you never know how it'll work out but I think he's got a real bit between his teeth to try and do what he probably always wanted to do to a team with Celtic but European pedigree, bring them back to kind of that moment. And then who knows, even if they had, they land a few balls in the Champions League, there's, this team's capable in the Europa League knockout, I think, of being... The, the team we're watching now, solid at the back, plenty of good attacking players. They've got, they'll have their moment. I think they're miles ahead of the team that played Bodo Glimp 12 months ago. So and I think that's, his, that's what will drive them. I know, it's, I know it's not how football works as well, Mick, but you must, have looked, you must look at that Rangers team that got to the Europa League final and think... Better than them. I mean, like, like, I think Graham's right. There's definitely something to be achieved in Europe. No, oh, without a doubt. And that's, that, that's Nancy's challenge. That is the next challenge. It, it, it kind of has to do something in Europe, really. Because um, that's the demands at the, at the club. And that, I think getting to Champions League group stages, and, and I think finishing third in the group stages would be a success. And I think getting into the knockout stages in the Europa League after Christmas, and they need a knockout win. At some point, I think that would be that would be classed as success. But that's always been the, the kind of the benchmark for success. Um, it's not always easy. We said they haven't won a knockout tie for about twenty years mm-hmm. in Europe, so that that's that's the next challenge. Um, but he'll know he knows that. I think he knows that as well. But I think there is still there is too many live issues still to deal with in the home front before he gets to that. But that is the next the next challenge. 
Um, is getting to uh, staying in staying in Europe beyond Christmas, and either if they can get a second place, finds the Champions League, that would be exceptional. That would be way above the expectation, I think, in the current climate, the way the, the way the game has moved on. Um, but listen, these are these are targets that I think he'll have in his mind. Maybe not this 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 present time now because there's so much going on um, to the end of the season. But it, it very soon will come into focus, and that will be the target. Um, but as I agree with Young, it is, it is achievable for Celtic. It should be achievable. When you look at teams like Bruges and Bordeaux and all and doing quite well in Europe, there's no reason why Rangers as well. Um, uh, I think that's also a bit worth bearing in mind that, that Postacoglu, in Scotland, we've got a terrible habit in Scotland. If one team's up, and it's been talking about the Glasgow rivalry, if one team's good, the other one's hopeless. Mm-hmm. That's how we always, that's how we judge it. And by the way, a lot of the times that was the case. I mean, in the last 10 years, Celtic, I mean, when, when, when Brendan Rodgers talking about Ben Rodgers and this, and I think he did a great job, Rodgers, but Rangers were fairly hopeless at that point in time. Um, I mean, struggling to finish even second in the league and all that stuff. Um, they weren't they weren't particularly clever. Whereas Celtic now in the last two seasons, I mean, when Postecoglou came out a team that was twenty five points behind the year before mm-hmm. in the league, and this team also got to a European final. Rangers are no mugs, and they're still any mugs. I mean, Rangers would be top of the league now in every other season apart from this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're nine points behind Celtic, but this would have been enough points now to be top of the league most seasons. Um, I think go back and check it. Um, when we touched on Rogers' second season, Fines was eighty-two points. Postecoglou's at seventy-nine points already. He's only three points off the second season total at one league um, for Rogers. So he's going toe to toe with a very good Rangers team. I know Rangers fans are a bit kind of grumpy just now and they're not happy because they're their second best to Celtic. But at some point they have to acknowledge that it's just because Celtic have been so good. Um, they, they can't. They, it's finding it hard to keep up. And listen, they are. They have been doing their best to keep up um, since to change a manager. But they've been. They're, they're, they're suffering because Celtic have been so good. I mean, at the moment they're on, on track to get over hundred points. It's only happened once in twenty three years. Um, when Neil managed it uh, back in two thousand two, and Rogers managed it in his first season. Um, but even hitting ninety points only happened half time. The nine in a row only happened four times out of, out of nine. It's happened five out of the last ten title wins. Um, that's not that's not that common to hit hundred points, and that's where he's heading for just now. And you could have Celtic and Rangers both hitting hundred points this season. And Rangers could Rangers end up the season with hundred points and lose the league, which is absolutely terrifying, really. <laughs> uh, which maybe says something about the standard of the league as well, as I touched on earlier on. But you, you can't fault uh, the way it's going at, at Celtic. That's for sure. I would put it to you, Graham, that uh, although Rangers, Mitch, quite right, Rangers have kept up their end of the bargain in the league, but I think Hearts on Saturday at Tynecastle is now Celtic's biggest obstacle to winning the treble. Um, probably, I think they need to play Rangers again at Hamden. That's a tough game, um, especially with the fact. But I know, I know exactly what you mean. Um, Hearts have almost teed up by playing them this week. Tynecastle. Probably that game earlier on in the season it was bonkers. It was brilliant. The the four three game, everything's kind of set up. And I think as we know, with Hearts are at their best when they go for it. Sometimes it was almost like they were treading water on some of those group stage games this season in the Conference League, and it didn't work for them. So they won't be playing like that. They'll obviously be on the front foot, which should make for a cracking game. It will. It will be tough. Like I just think the fullbacks with Taylor and Johnson coming back in. I thought Alson had a tough, like, kind of tough first half, but some of his passing as well, like his cross maybe not as good as it usually, you know when he gets to the byline, he likes that pitch and wedge cross, a few of them were 
a wee bit high last night, but some of those reverse passes were still pretty good. But I think Johnson comes back in. He's got a real steal as well. Taylor as well, I think, seemed a goal to come back for Saturday. I think that's the big difference. I think that's where Celtic will win they because they they go both ways, don't they? Ten Castle, it's a bit tighter. They come inside, but there's also more space that they, they, they play their full-backs a bit wider in these games. Um, sometimes in their way games where it's, they're able to kind of, um, they might not, they still dominate the ball, but play maybe a wee bit more traditional kind of four. Uh, four three three in games like this, so the chances are both in the byline, and I think that might be key midfield as well. Attack is obviously got to come back in, but uh, wonder how you kind of balance the rest. But these are the kind of decisions that Andrew Bedellish and maybe his big games are what this team's all about. So it does; it's a significant game. Significant. I think we Nielsen's comments about a about a panel, maybe panel fun before it as well. Add to it, so we'll see how it all plays out, but. Um, it's going to be an absolute cracker, really, really exciting game. I think everyone that likes Scottish football should be looking forward to it. It'll be top-notch stuff. You'd imagine, Mick, if they're all fit, uh, like Graham says, Hatati, Taylor and Johnston, they'll all probably come back in. Uh, yeah, I think so. You've seen in the last few weeks that, that Postcoggle is kind of, kind of settling on. He's kind of, for the first time in 18 months or so, he's kind of settling on a kind of preferred starting 11. Um, Made is the one I think Made might be really struggling. Um, so then do you go to Abada? I, 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 you touched on Haksabanovic. I think he's worth a run in the team now as well. I think he's ready to go. Um, he's been really lively across the bench. He's been one of the guys that's helped turn the game. See the games when they're sort of tend to get goals early, then they kind of got a week in an easy period, then they go to go out again um, late on. He's been the driving force between these kind of late bursts. Um, he's done it again. The other night, I think he's the one that might might be worth a, a run, especially it'll be tighter at Ten Castle. Um, he can work on outside and inside. He can he can take the ball in tight tight spaces. Um, Meda wouldn't get the space to run behind like he did the other night as well. So I think that that be one I'm looking at as well. Jota, I thought Jota actually played really well. Uh, I thought he was he was pretty for his standards. I thought he was maybe a wee bit off it at Simon last weekend. Um, but he's back. He's back on it again um, against Hearts on Wednesday. Um, yeah, so there's only one or two wee decisions to make here and there. Um, but I think I think Haxaban, which is worth a bash, uh, and Jota, any tight ears at Ten Castle, I think he'd be important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good thing about Celtic is they, they can change things in game as well. If it's not quite working, I mean, I've been quite impressed with um, with O. Anytime he's appeared as well, he's been a real a real thorn. And the side of defenders, I think he's a good option to bring on as well if need be. So they've got plenty of options. I think Hearts are. I mean, you're saying that Hearts are the biggest obstacle on the table. I don't. I still think there's a bit to go mm-hmm. in terms of um, the league and cup. I think the league's pretty much there. So it's at seven wins to out of ten, mm-hmm. um, five home games in there as well. I think. Um, so yeah, you think that's one hand in the title type situation there. But the cup, no, they're still. I mean, you think Rangers should get by their tie the weekend, so that they've been the last four. So you you'd fancy another another collision course with, with Rangers at some point, and as, as I said, they're they're a good side Rangers for no matter, no matter. I know punters think that they're they're, they're hopeless because they're not they're not on top, but that would be a real a real difficult test as well. So, uh, but this one is the hardest tie they could have got outside outside going to Ibrox, um, and Hearts showed enough uh, the other night to suggest that they will be in the fight at the weekend, uh, and Celtic need to be at their very best. Um, so it's all the makings of a cracker, that's for sure. Right. One thing's for sure, it definitely won't be boring. Um, 
Well, I wasn't going to be until you said that. No, it's, <laughs> going, to be, no, it's going to be nothing each. Um, no, no shots on target. Uh, no VAR incidents. No, uh, nothing at all. I apologise in advance, yeah. everyone listening. Um, I think that more or less brings us to the end of today's podcast, guys. Um, Mick, Graham, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much for joining me. Um, I should say, for everyone listening, you can find us obviously on Facebook and on Twitter at record under slash sport and on Instagram at daily record under slash sport. Uh, guys, thanks again. No worries, all the best, chaps, everyone. And thanks. thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.